What do we do? We gotta squeeze them in. We gotta squeeze them in. Is there anywhere you can squeeze me in? Yeah. I guess I can squeeze you in. <laughs> and now we're teaching people like, no, we don't squeeze anybody in. Don't no. touch anybody. Don't, don't touch squeeze anybody. Them. Don't squeeze them. <laughs> don't even hug them. You can't yeah. shake their hand. Hi, everyone. I'm Sid Sharice. And I'm David Bosher. And you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. Where we teach you to salon differently. I just got a new customized booking website. That's genius. Yeah, Gloss Genius. Gloss Genius has one of the lowest processing fees in the industry at 2.6% with no hidden fees and free same-day deposits. DTH listeners get their first month free on us as well as your very own stunning credit card reader, an $80 value. To sign up, visit dth.glossgenius.com. Sid, do you want to introduce our listeners to one of our favorite podcast sponsors? Absolutely. This episode is sponsored by Karg Shears, a reputable brand born in Switzerland, created by Mike Karg. Why do we love Karg Shears so much? Karg Shears are made with the highest end and most durable Japanese steel that work for dry and wet cutting. We decided to team up with Karg because of their unique approach to handcrafted shears, customer service, and a simple love for the hairdresser. Tap the link in the episode description to receive a special DTH promotion for your new shears. You are going to love them. You look very nice. (laughs) (laughs) You look very bright. I'm trying to be brighter. I'm trying to bust out of the, you know, hairdresser, wear all black all the time mold. I feel like... That's always my default forever. I feel like when it comes to branding, I still haven't fully figured out my personal... I know what our brand is as a company. I haven't figured out like what mine is. Like and your yours is brand. clearly bright orange. Oh, mine changes <laughs> with the flow of the wind. So, like I have always been that way. Just a free spirit of. I like that. I'm changing. I'm doing that. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think and I good. like. I've gone from black to just like neutrals. Just one as, step up. <laughs> it's just like one step up. Just a. A, some salt bay of color. We used to work for Aveda, so it was, you know, you wore yeah. all black, and that was... Oh, I'm, it was we a still required. have trauma from that. Yeah. So my my comfort zone is black jeans, black shirt, and, like, a pair mm-hmm. of sneakers. That's what I always go to. I literally have... Look. Yeah. Still, yeah, you're still st- there. Trauma's still there. <laughs> I just put a red jacket over it. So today we're talking about the consciousness of business, and I think that even talking about what we're wearing kind of shows where everyone is consciously in their business. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, wearing all black is a form of muting yourself. Absolutely. Wearing bright colors is a form of kind of bringing yourself out Mm -hmm. there. But I did a class called Business Therapy with my students. Yeah, last year. Last year, and it was really... I would say it was really intense, and I didn't record it, and I didn't... um, We were saving it for this moment. (laughs) Exactly. I didn't record it because we recorded all of our content, and quite frankly, we have too much, (laughs) and we've been told that it's overwhelming. So I didn't record that for a couple of reasons. One, we have a lot of content. Two, it was a really vulnerable space for all of the students to get to, Mm -hmm. which was really talking about what scared them in business... What's holding them back? You know, what belief systems they have, what trauma they experienced with former bosses and things like that. And it was a really interesting conversation. And what most of my students got out of it was that when you hire someone to coach you in your business, it's not actually about templates or budget or no. numbers or things like that. And I like love that. that you said that. It's all about 
your relationship with other people. It's about communication. It's about emotional intelligence. It's about consciousness. And I actually had someone message me. I actually had a, a few people message me afterward, and they're like, I think I've been doing coaching all wrong. Oh, here's the thing. I don't think that we have enough coaching programs in this industry. Like, Not in ours. No. We have a lot of technical education. Yes. I think that we need more coaches because there's the if you think about the big coaching programs that they're I can name including us maybe like five or six. Yeah. Obviously there's a lot of like big ones that focus on numbers and things like that, but there's still not enough like one-on-one opportunities. And I think what's missing is that connection and that accountability, but not everybody can fit into every mold. Like, not everybody is right for our program. No. Not everybody is right. For I would say program. most people are not. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. People have different needs, and that's why it's so important for you to do your research on coaches and who you want and, and what fits. And I think the more you follow Destroy the Hairdresser, the more you are like, okay, this is what they're talking about. I want to be coached in that, and that's why you join. But so many people don't know how to use a coach. And I have to tell my students, like, we need to talk about that. And they're like, yeah, but that's not business. I'm like, yeah, but that's affecting your business. Yeah, your emotional state, the way that you think about business, the way that you've been brought up about business, whether you went to school or you watched your parents, all of those things determine how you hire people, how you fire people, how you deal with your clients. And so kind of understanding that, which is why we call it business therapy, we are not therapists, Mm -mm. but it was just business therapy in the sense that we're going to just talk about the real issues, which are not, how do you budget? Budgets are easy. It's two, two plus two is four. It doesn't oh matter. God, you could Google It does a not matter how template. you lay it out. <laughs> Etsy all. sells every template you could ever <laughs> imagine for anything. And a lot of people come to our program asking, do you have a template for this? Do you have a te-? There are no, you can get a template. We, you didn't pay us for a template. You're paying us to help you think differently about how you do everything. And critically. Yeah, think critically. I, and I think that's missing in, I think it's missing in, Life. <laughs> yeah, life in general. But I think that in in our industry, which is a creative industry, critical thinking isn't really there. No, um, everything is emotional. Which everything's is emotional. great because that's what creates a lot of the art that we're doing. But then we can't separate that emotional creative process right. from the business aspect. So then everything becomes emotional. So now we're personally attacked if a client goes to someone else or... You know, if a staff member wants to open up their salon, they're a traitor. And if, you know, like, it's like, it's silly, toxic things that Like, critical don't thinking make sense. will allow you to understand that when you hire a new stylist, mm-hmm. they're eventually going to leave. Absolutely. Just yeah. like a client. Yeah, that's not, <laughs> someone leaving your business is not about you. It's not because they're trying to hurt you. It is just using critical thinking. People grow, people change. I'm going to hire someone. Who knows how long they're going to stay with me? And they are going to move on to do their own thing. And then the second step of that critical thinking process would be, how do I invest in this person to either, you know, invest like into their company or or work with them side by side, partner with them? Not everyone is a good mm-hmm. fit for that, but it's a way of saying what happens after someone leaves. It doesn't have to just be, well, I take a huge loss now. Critical thinking will allow you to say, what can I actually do Next, and I think that's all we're teaching salon owners and hairdressers to do is it's not just that's the end of the story. There's we can do things differently, mm-hmm. and we I, can salon we can salon differently. differently. You don't have to do 
especially what product companies tell you to do. Yeah. And you don't have to do what your former boss did, which is usually the wrong thing, which is why you left. Yeah. Um, and now we have this, we have this like in between phase. I don't think our industry is totally transformed. No, we have a lot of work to do. We have like this in between phase where some people are like, oh, okay, like I don't have to, you know, hate everyone who leaves me. I don't have to feel, I don't have to bend over backwards for every client mm-hmm. and for every staff member. I don't have to spend $100,000 on a build out for a salon. Like there's this new, it's like slowly infiltrating yeah. that you can do it differently. I think it's really like interesting to watch. just being a human and having human respect is starting to happen. We haven't figured that in one business. out either. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're still very much working on that. But I meant like in the in the sense of like people are actively thinking, okay, I don't want to be toxic anymore, or yeah. they're trying to think differently, or not place the blame, or not be a victim, or not you know like that's the the whole kind of shift that's happening, which is really great because people are working together to kind of make these safer spaces. But I definitely think that it's something that if we don't keep working on and we don't talk about these heavy emotional topics, we don't kind of do the business therapy. Right. It's going to completely spin around and we're going to go through this cycle again. And, you know, when we, we're, we're also owning businesses in a whole different time. I was just talking about this with one of like, my students. This is not the 1950s anymore. <laughs> you don't go to a job, you work there for the rest of your life, you die. That's not what happens anymore. <laughs> We, you retire, you get a gold watch. Yeah, and the great thing about, you know, a capitalist society, <laughs> we did pros and cons lift, we're going to focus on the pros, uh, is that you could literally create a business out of thin air. Yeah, and like we did. be profitable. Profitable, yeah. And it's about carving out your space. And mm-hmm. again, it's critical thinking skills. How yeah. can I take what I know and help people? I think that was the difference, too. I think we have to live in a world where it used to be what do I create to sell, and now it's what do I create to help Yes. And I think that's I think that's that's the conscious shift, yeah. As well. Because now it's like our desire since we were little baby DTHers. (laughs) Everybody listening cannot see my hands. If you haven't listened to episode one from 2016. Oh yeah, exactly. Is that still up? Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, A lot of changes. (laughs) We our whole goal is like this industry fucking sucks. It needs to change. You know, I know we're just two small kids in the pond, but right. <laughs> how can we do something? Sid, let's talk about the sexiest topic in our industry today. What's that? Business insurance, which is why we have teamed up with Guild, G-I-L-D. Guild Insurance has streamlined the business insurance process. By evaluating multiple trusted insurance providers, they'll find you the partner you deserve in just minutes. We partnered with Guild because they are shaking up the insurance industry as much as we are shaking up the beauty industry. Guild offers business guidance and resources even after you're fully insured. They are making insurance inclusive and personalized. To learn more about Guild and your business insurance options, visit yourguild.com slash DTH. There was someone on our Instagram, we put up a post a long time ago that said, critical thinking skills and emotional intelligence will help transform our toxic industry or something like that. Yeah. There was something like that. Yeah. And this person responded with, we have a toxic industry? Yeah. Which Mind is you, like, it was a man. Uh, probably uh, a straight man. So he had no idea. Yeah. That, <laughs> that oh, there were man. Issues. We're like, take your sunglasses off. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's, that's the thing that's missing is 
is that kind of concept of we're not working in the same age anymore. Right. And things are different, and people are going to come and go, and they want to experience things. And we have to consciously decide, like, are we going to do better? And, like, going back to saying, like, when we were little babies, like, it's always been the desire to change. And when your desire is to make money, your business will fail. Yeah. But if you think of business like money is You'll the result. You'll make money for a while. And then oh, people yeah. will leave you and it'll be, it just, it, it's not that making money is bad. It's that it's when it's the main focus, it usually harms people in the process. And that's Absolutely. usually what brings about the demise. And that's why, like, even in our coaching program, when people sign up, they're like, well, what's, what's the catch? And we're like, there is no catch. Like, if you don't, if it's not working for you, it's not working for us. Like, yeah. there's no risk in the sense of, like, if you're done, we're done. Because yeah. there's, it's so toxic to hold someone onto something or trap them in a situation that isn't working for them or they're not ready for or isn't, you know, helping them in the way that they thought. And so that's the thing. And rarely does it happen because I feel like we have lifelong students. But, you know, if someone needs to go for a financial We've had situations where... <laughs> and someone go, how long is the program? I go, how long are you going to be in business? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I don't... It's not like a... It's not a year program. It's not a six-month program. We've it's had not students a, in the program for years. Yeah. Yeah. And we have people leave and take breaks and they come and back. And then they come back. I and that's the beauty of it. student from five years ago, it's like, I'm ready to do this work again. Mm-hmm. But the beauty is that it's it's another level. It's a, yeah. new, it's a new level. I think that's what... With the salons, it, that's where it gets kind of icky because they're like do everything to keep this client. It's like the client hates the stylist. They hate their hair. They hate you. <laughs> the stylist hates the client. They're the stylist dry- hates yeah. their, like, ev- like, Why are we trying to because save that's, this? Because that's the goal being money. The yeah. goal is to keep retention. Retention is really important. Yeah. But we need to take in every client. We need to fit in every walk and We need to squeeze them in. <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> if I could get that, just squeeze, squeeze them, them in. in. That's, I think it gives everyone the, ooh. It's the number one, like, if you were to describe the industry in a sentence, it'd be squeeze them in. (laughs) That's how you describe the salon industry, squeeze them in. Squeeze them in. (laughs) What do we do? We gotta squeeze them in. We gotta squeeze them in. Is there anywhere you can squeeze me in? Yeah. I guess I can squeeze you in. (laughs) It's the worst. (laughs) And now we're teaching people, like, no, we don't squeeze anybody in. Don't touch anybody. Don't Don't touch anybody. Don't squeeze (laughs) them. Don't even hug them. You can't yeah. shake their hand. Do their hair at a very <laughs> distant, safe space. It's so funny because working for other companies that do teach you to touch your clients, mm-hmm. it's a really interesting world that we live in now that... Someone's going to think that we're telling people to not touch their clients at all. Well, they have to touch <laughs> their hair. But it's just interesting. And I know there's a lot of energy workers out there now that you know implement energy work with yeah. that. But, but even, the person is actively signing up yeah, for that. Consent there's, yeah, there's consent there. But at the same time, like, I remember working for Aveda. There's nothing wrong with Aveda. Mm-hmm. I just, it was very much, you touch them on yeah. the shoulder. Well, a lot of, that hand, was like a you, whole movement with product companies. Like, everything came from, you had to touch them. There was like steps. There it was, was not steps. genuine at all. Like, you had to grab their arm and look in their eyes and it was make manipulation. sure. Yeah. <laughs> and make sure, like, I remember there being a whole trick of, like, handing them the product so they can read it while you're talking about yeah. it. And then take it away from them real quick so they can't read it enough. And then put it on the counter so they stare at it. Like, come on, people. No one saw the red flags? I used to te- I used to be one of these horrible salespeople. Oh, I was so good at it. I was so good at it. Sid and I would compete yeah. in sales. <laughs> and one of the things that I would do is I would say put three products mm-hmm. in 
the irony is that we teach you not to sell products. Yeah. <laughs> but when we did sell products, put three products in the basket, because mm-hmm. of the basket program. Yeah. And then say, you know what? You don't need these two. You just need this one. Yes. And then they'd be like, oh, I just say, oh, that I can do that. I, yeah. I didn't want to do three, but I can do that. I was I mean, that's selling one on one. Yeah. Which is really messed up. And then our boss would pit us against each other. Yeah. I'd be like, Sid's doing really well. What are you going to do? You're like. I'm like, nothing. We're going to go open a business. (laughs) (laughs) Go have drinks. (laughs) And talk about the bonus we're not getting from selling all those things. Um, But I I think that's, that's why I think we need business therapy because we're all so jaded. And what I want to do, it's, it's our responsibility. Like when I think of myself in the next 20 years, our industry better look a lot different. Well, what's interesting <laughs> to me is everyone's going to rental, which I think, you know, we've talked about, it'll go, mm-hmm. it'll cycle around. But who is everyone going to blame when they work for themselves? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a... Uh, talk about personal accountability yeah. 101. Let's look inward. Yeah. We're all going to have the same problems, yep. but we're just working by ourselves. Yeah, like, oh, which is so sad. The problem is me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I mean, think it's always been. It's always been <laughs> us individually, but I think that as people go to rental, they're going to learn all these lessons, which are very important, mm-hmm. and then they're going to go open salons, hopefully with coaching and with these lessons, and be like, oh, we don't have to do it like it's been done. We don't have to, you know, like the makeup time. Oh, I yeah. love when salon is like, Oh, well, they took two days off, so they're going to make that up next week. You can't make up time no. with clients. It's not a, we're not in, we're not like in a clock in, clock out kind of yeah. industry. Making up time doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. You lost the time. Mm-hmm. It's gone. And that client, those clients are going to come in, but you don't need to make up the time. So there are just different things like hourly pricing. Eventually, we're going to, ha- we can stop talking about that when I can't wait. It becomes normal. Yeah, I don't understand. I could do a whole, we have, we have done many talks on hourly prices. Yes, we have. Everyone's like, on our Instagram, I'd love to hear more about this topic. Listen to the fucking podcast. (laughs) I don't know what else to tell. I'm like, we're throwing it at you. (laughs) The funny thing with hourly pricing is we are so stuck in a service provider mindset that we can't wrap our heads around charging for time, even though we are already charging for time. Like, we're charging for time no matter what we're paying for. It's just a description shift. That's it. We're being charged for time right now. Yeah. In this studio. Exactly. Like, you're paying for all these different things, but you're, at the end of the day, it is about about the time that you are taking up from people's lives. Yeah. And so when... They're like, well, I can't... My favorite thing that I ask my students when we're talking about this, they're like, well, I'm not going to charge my person an hour when I finish their haircut in 45 minutes. I said, how long is a haircut in your booking system? They're like, an hour. And I said... (laughs) How much is it? They're like $65. And I said, so if you finish early, do you charge them less money? And they're like, no. And I'm like, you're... Because it's $600 an hour. Yeah. (laughs) It's not not rocket science. Yeah. So it's just an hour minimum. And that's the thing that we we have a hard time with this as hairdressers because, again, we're in the service provider mind shift. And that was created by bigger product companies that wanted to capitalize, which was brilliant, Mm -hmm. on this industry of artists. Because then you can add on a treatment. Which was sold it was to brilliant, you by the color but it also. Company. I'm not saying that the business model and idea wasn't very profitable for a lot of people, but the pain and the burnout, the burnout and the toxicity that it caused, was it really worth it all? I don't think so because uh, the average income of a hairdresser in the United States is twenty seven thousand something a year. Who could live off that? So I don't. 
whatever we're doing isn't working yeah. if that's the median income that's reported. Yeah. And the fact that we don't report taxes as hairdressers because we get What's cash funny is that that is amount doesn't include new products, like uh, new tools. Yeah. The clothes they have to wear. It doesn't, just, you know, it doesn't include the overhead. It just includes Yeah, what the they're income. taking home. $27,000. The poverty line in the United States is $20,000. Mm-hmm. Anything below that is poverty, and then there's different levels of that. So the average hairdresser is $7,000 over the poverty line, and yet we're being told that our industry works just fine. Yeah. It doesn't. And then you and have our students who have a 25% profit margin in their business, which mm-hmm. the average is 8 and they're making more money than their spouse who went to college. They're making, working less. They're working less. Going back to, this isn't 1950, it's not 1940. It's not a clock-in, clock-out situation. It's not the Industrial Revolution, and it's the Technology Revolution. We get to use technology to make our lives easier. But the problem is that we're, we don't use technology properly. Mm-hmm. It uses us. It uses us up. But if we use it, I had one of my students, like, I feel like, now that I don't, she doesn't have to work behind the chair anymore because we've set up her business to pay her and she doesn't have to really do much besides manage the business. Imagine that. That's I know, the right? whole point. But I said, I want you to work three days a week and then I don't want you to, I only want you to work three days a week. And she says, what if, what, like, how do I do that? Because the amount that we did in a week mm-hmm. back in the day and the amount that we can do in one day have changed. I can do everything that I did in a week in one day now. But the problem is that the expectation is that I now do that times five days or yeah. six days. So I'm supposed to do, like, more. Mm-hmm. But our bodies haven't changed since no. those times. No. So we're trying to do what robots do. We're trying to do what technology is supposed to do. And then we're burnt out and exhausted. And then you're throwing on taking care of your house or your kids. Yeah. Something's going to get neglected, and it's usually just you. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually just you, your mental health, and all these things. So, Well, it used to be a pro to have one extremely long career on your resume, which resumes don't even exist anymore. Don't hand me a resume. I, do people even know how to read it? Like, <laughs> what am I looking for here? Like, I don't really care about the resume. Mm-hmm. Really, I care about your online presence. Well, now, you know, let's say there were still resumes, and you were to submit one. If there was only one job on there, it's actually... Not people a good saw thing. That, yeah, people saw that as, like, loyalty. Yeah, well, back then. Yeah. Now, it's considered not enough experience. Right. Yet, we still run our businesses like the ages of working all the time, and people get really upset when they leave, but then they don't want to hire expect- someone <laughs> without more experience. So, we expect you to work, we expect you to change jobs every two years, mm-hmm. but when, we, when you show us that, we're going to shame you. Exactly. So, th- th- we're in this weird, it's because we have so many generations alive at one time. We have seven generations Oh, and they are, it's like oil They're and water. very different, right? And then a dabble of vinegar <laughs> and a sprinkle. We're at Olive Garden. It's, it's the bread dip. <laughs> That's what we're This in. is the Olive Garden oh. of the industry. But I think that <laughs> when you have, you know, baby boomers and Gen Xers hiring millennials or even Gen Z, the expectations and the understanding, they're so vastly different. Or, va- or vice versa, you have millennials hiring Gen X or baby boomers and it's like there's a huge disconnect and I think that we have to understand that it's loyalty doesn't look like what it used to look like Mm -mm. 
the consciousness of loyalty isn't staying with one person. It's respect. It's respecting that person no matter what the changes are. And I think that is hard to swallow for yeah. a lot of people. I think loyalty looks like, um, like respect in the sense of the owner or the leader, because they don't own anybody. The leader wants to build the stylist, and the stylist wants to help build the business of the leader. And so no matter what, they both have the mutual respect to build each other, and that is where the loyalty lives. Well, that's why commission works mm-hmm. when it's done properly, because both parties benefit. Yeah. The business owner wants the employee to do well because that means the business owner does well. Yeah. So if the business owners actually came in with the consciousness of being a business owner and saying, I'm going to build this person up to leave from the get-go. And I'm just going to cycle new people in because my job is to build these profitable, talented, educated people to go out in the industry. It changes the whole And not burn a bridge. And not burn a bridge. That's what you're doing. But when they get money-focused, they can only see what's in front of them and not the bigger picture for not only themselves, but the team. And, you know, going back to the generations, that's I would say that's one of the biggest things. I would say in Destroy the Hairdresser, what you learn in coaching is emotional intelligence and how to build that in business, then how to communicate yeah. with generations. And we're going to talk about that later. But, like, the generational shift is probably one of the biggest things I'm like, I have to teach my boomers to speak to Gen Z's and my Gen Z's to be able to relate with millennials and my, you know, Gen Xers to be able to support and guide Gen Z. And it just, you know, how can they have those conversations? And once they all start figuring out and decide that they're going to do it together, it's beautiful. So great. Because everyone has something to give. It's rare that it works. Yeah. But it, it does, it does work sometimes. And I think, it requires everyone being coached. Everyone yeah. needs to be coached, not by your boss, but an outside person. I think that's why coaching is becoming so popular just in the world in general. Therapy is very important. That's a different category. Mm-hmm. And then there's coaching, which is getting to your next level, someone pushing you. It's just like having a personal trainer. I think every industry is kind of opening into this coaching realm because it's, I think also like the traditional education route is kind of, Absolutely. <laughs> I, I really think it's based on what do you want to learn? Go follow this person because they've had the hours they've put in the work for it. Like, like my brother's kids know how to code and they're like 13 because <laughs> my brother is a coder. Yeah. And I'm like, they're going to be fine they're gonna no matter hack us what all. Yeah. happens. They probably are the cause of the blackout last I'm year. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like they're going to go to school. They're going to spend a ton of money on something that they already know how to do. Hopefully they can learn how to do it better. But like, or they can probably just go out and create apps and do things. Mm-hmm. and You know what I mean? Like I think, so I think the traditional model of things is kind of changing, not just in our industry, but in every industry. It's not about completely destroying it. It's really just about reworking it. Rebuilding it. Rebuilding it. That's, a, that's the thing that gets in the way the most, I think. If you were to look at the business as like a little ecosystem, like literally imagine a mini earth within your business. <laughs> And everyone in that business has um, something to offer to keep that little earth alive. And when there's ego involved, obviously it's going to ruin everything. But the one thing I see is it's almost like stay in your lane, but be open to what you can learn, even if you're not going to do it. Like I always tell my leaders that don't want to do social media, don't just pay someone to do it. Learn how to do it so you know, and then pay someone to do it. 
And so it's like so many people— Know why you're not doing it. Know why you're not doing it before you just (laughs) say, I'm going to hire someone to do it. Because you can't throw money at something and expect it to go away. But that's the thing. There's so much ego involved of, you know, someone feeling, oh, I should know that. Or I feel like I'm being left behind. Or someone feeling like, I don't know enough. It's like, no, what are you good at? Okay, you're going to do that to keep this ecosystem alive. You're going to do this. You're going to focus on this. And I think that's how businesses run really strong is when you know what you're good at and you excel at it to make the business profitable. I was talking to a student about rental and commission and I was trying to explain to them the idea economically. And I said, the economy is kind of like an ocean, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like rough seas and sometimes it's smooth. And the difference is like... Sometimes a red tide. (laughs) Sometimes it's a hurricane. (laughs) And I said, you have your renters who are in their own boat and then you have commission salons that are in a larger boat altogether. Mm -hmm. When When there's a storm, which boat do you want to be on? Yeah. Because when things get rough, being on your own is not great. Now, when things are smooth, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be in control of your own boat. But then when the, when it gets really out of control, you want a team of people. You want people around you. You want Everyone should be driving that boat. Yeah, you want everyone taking turns. You want everyone being part of that. So I think, you know, when I told that to this person, they were able to kind of grasp the importance of having... A team. I understand independence, but can you have independence on a team? That's what we're trying to do. This whole the whole point of destroy the hairdresser is: can we build teams that focus on individuals still having all of their independence, which Complete is a huge freedom. consciousness shift in our industry? Because how many times do you hear, "I don't want to work. I don't want to do a commission salon because I don't want to be in charge of people." Yeah, you're in charge of people. Anyway. You're still in charge. <laughs> you're in char- forever. You're in charge of. You know, people, even if you don't want to be in charge of people. So I think it's just this conscious shift of how do I actually take advantage of what works and how do I get rid of what doesn't? Absolutely. I think if I could leave our listeners with advice for this new year, I would tell them to start really diving deep into emotional intelligence and how they can start including that shift into their business. And don't. What I would say is don't... Read the books. (laughs) Right, exactly. Don't say, oh, I'm going to get all my team to do emotional intelligence work. Do do yours. Yeah, that's like you paying someone without you doing the work first. I hear it all the time. I don't want to sign up for coaching, but I'd like to sign up my team for coaching. I'm like, no. No, you are the one that needs the coaching because you need to coach your team. Exactly. So please don't just like hand out books to your team and be like, oh, I heard about emotional intelligence. We should all do it. No, you... You do it first. If you're listening to this podcast, you do the work first. Let your team then... see the shift in you. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. I have nothing else to say on this topic. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>next time on destroy the hairdresser the podcast because they're making more money they can work less all of a sudden which is not all of a sudden it's been driving them the whole time i don't know what to do with my time off i don't know how to spend time with my kids i don't even know what my hobbies are yeah they don't know who they are exactly and that is the moment that you're like oh this is why it's not about spreadsheets it's not about benchmarks it's not about numbers it's about making more money having more time and then realizing shit i don't even know what to do with Mm -hmm. myself